Uh, but if you've got your Bibles today, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. The title of this morning's message is Completely Baptized. Completely Baptized. The journey of being overtaken. Completely baptized. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just pray over the next few moments that I'd only speak what you have me to speak. Father, open our ears that you would have us to receive everything that you say. Open our hearts, O God, that we might take your word, apply it, send us out, O God, that it would change us from the inside out, God, that we would respond not to Pastor Heath, not to the, uh, the, the, the worship team or, Lord, the, the environment or anything like that. But, Father, we want to respond to your word and your spirit, Lord, that there is life abundantly in you. God, and it's only by you that we can go out from this place stronger, empowered, and filled up. It's only by you that you are the baptizer, God. Lord, no pastor baptizes anybody in the Holy Spirit. No pastor fills anybody with spiritual gifts. Lord, it's not any uh, structure or program, God, that gives us the character of Christ. It's only by your word and by your spirit. And so we come seeking you today. In Jesus' name, somebody said? Amen. Amen. We are part of a worthy cause today. So we ask ourselves, uh, what's our ultimate purpose as Christians? What is our ultimate purpose as Christians? The Bible tells this awesome story of a group of young men and women uh, who, were follow, who chose to follow Christ on this personal journey of theirs, young men, young women, and they changed the world. Changed the world. These men repented of their sins. They gave their all to Christ. And they were excited. What I love about them is they were excited to be a part of this kingdom mission. They thought it was such a worthy cause to give their life for. They, they, they wanted to be a part of what God had going on. And so God's kingdom came down, and despite their failures and all their shortcomings, which were many, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to be witnesses. I, I love to look at their character change, at how they became full of power and full of passion and thousands were saved. That same spirit, that's if what I believe is that I believe that if it happened in the Bible, it can happen again. And God's plan and His mission never changes and His spirit never changes. So I want to us to consider that if God wrote it and it happened and it happened in those young men years and years ago, that it should be the same way for us today. What if I read the book of Acts, I want my life to be demonstrated the same way. I want the same spirit, the same working of God, and I have to have the same willingness to be a part of God's worthy cause, the same passion. And so we're going to talk today about a spiritual journey. Is your life and is my life given to complete His mission? Am I on the journey with His Holy Spirit? Am I willing to follow Him into the depths and be immersed in and clothed by His Holy Spirit so that I can help change the world? Am I willing to do what these young men and women did so many years ago? Am I willing to be a part of this? And so we're going to talk about spiritual journey. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to parallel our journey today with that of the children of Israel. Everything in the Bible uh, is the Word of God from Old Testament to New. And oftentimes there are things in the Old Testament that just speak prophetically into the New and also continue with us today. And I'm going to kind of pull some things out today from uh, the Old Testament. And Paul speaks of it right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. So let's read this together. 
I'm reading from the New American Standard. He says this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. We're going to do something today. Whenever I say the word upon, you've got to say amen, all right? Okay, because people are, it's Memorial Day weekend, but you've got to make up for your neighbor, okay? So, so here we go. I'm going to say upon. You're going to say amen. Ready? Upon? Amen. Oh, good. Man, that sounds awesome. Because every time, I'm not going to say it. If ever you hear me say upon in this message, you've got to say amen. You've got to keep me going, all right? And so, Paul talks about this spiritual journey. And it's a spiritual journey of maturity that God was taking His children on, the children of Israel, the people of God, through the wilderness. And it's a journey of maturity. The Bible talks about maturity being completion or perfection into the image of Christ. doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, but it means sometimes we have to grow up spiritually. And that's what He's trying to get His people to do. And so today, we're going to look at this through the Old Testament and the New Testament lens. Let's start with what Paul is talking about here. He says... Uh, they all, he doesn't want you to be unaware of this journey. We remember that the children of Israel had the Passover lamb. In Exodus, uh, they, they come out of Egypt, and the Passover lamb, uh, they slaughtered it, and they took the blood and they applied it to the doorpost, and it was put upon, Amen. okay, there we go, it was put upon the blood. Amen. Amen. Okay. I might have hurt myself here. I might get distracted. <laughs> but he, they put the blood on their house. <laughs> they put the blood upon the door. Amen. Very good. Man, this is awesome. And it covered them. It covered them. In a sense, they were washed in the blood. It covered their homes. And if, as long as they stayed in their homes, the wrath of God passed over them and the blood saved them. It took them from death into life. And Paul says there's the Passover lamb. They were washed in the blood, covered by the blood. And then he says God took them out of deliver. Uh, he delivered them in, out of Egypt and he took them through the Red Sea. And God parted the sea and made a way for them to pass through. And they were, in a sense, baptized. That was their baptism. It was a defining moment where they said, I have to be able to trust God with the future of my life. There's a defining moment here, and I can't cross it by myself. I've got to have God cross it with me. And so I cross this defining moment, leaving the past behind, looking ahead to the journey that God has called me to. And it was a mark, a line in the sand, if you will. If they're in the desert, it's a line in the sand. And so when they cross it, then God shuts it back. There's no going back to Egypt. There's no going back to their former way of living. It was just them and God from now on. And so that's their water baptism, their initiation. And then it says they were under the cloud. The Bible tells us that there was a pillar of fire and a cloud that covered them and followed them and led them. And it was literally the tangible presence of God's Spirit. That's what it was. And the Bible says that uh, that cloud was pretty much the Shekinah glory of God. It was symbolic of the same Holy Spirit presence that He has in heaven following and leading and guiding His people. He would overshadow them at night. He would lead and go ahead of them and prepare the way. And wherever that thing went, that's where they had to go. They never could divorce themselves from relying on the Spirit of God. And then the Bible says that they were... Paul uses these words and he says that uh, when the Lord spoke, this cloud uh, not only immersed them, but it descended upon them. 
Very good. And this is the same way in our Christian journey. You and I pass out of judgment, and we are delivered into life through Christ the Lamb. You and I are baptized, we are immersed into water as this initiation to follow God, and then the Holy Spirit begins to overshadow us and immerse us. Paul uses the same words for the water and the Spirit. It was, they were both immersed and both covered by the Holy Spirit. They were immersed in the water and covered by the water. They were immersed in the Spirit and covered by the Spirit of God. And that's the same way that God's tangible presence is here to lead us today, speak to us, and baptize us. And you can pull out of this three baptisms. The baptism of Christ, the baptism of water, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And three is this sacred number. It means uh, perfection or completion. In a sense, it really means finality. That there is a, a, a process that God has initiated from Exodus to Jesus to Acts to you and I today. That there is a beginning steps, first steps on your journey to be mature and complete in Christ. And it's the same for all of us. It was the same for the children of Israel. It was the same for Jesus. It was the same for the apostles. And it's the same for you and I. It doesn't mean that we're going to finally arrive once we do all three things. Because Paul says they had to keep eating of spiritual food and spiritual drink. But you and I today have a process that God has designed for all of us to grow into the image of Christ. That is maturity, like, Paul, uh, like the author of Hebrews says in chapter 6, verse 1. And it's not something you and I can do alone. It's a gift. We must be willing to receive and follow God into. And so are we ready to go all in today? Are you and I, am I in my own personal walk, are we as a church ready to go all in? And the first thing we have to look at is, who is the Holy Spirit? A little bit of teaching this morning, because I want us to be very aware of who is the Holy Spirit. Christians talk a lot about the Father and the Son, but it's fundamental to know who and what the Holy Spirit is. And number one, He is God. He is God. He is not one-third God. He is God. He is the, what we would say, the third revelation of God. The Bible clearly speaks of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But He is God. He is the Spirit of God. And He is Spirit. He's not a ghost. He's not creeping around the graveyard anywhere. He is Spirit. The Bible says He is the pneuma, the breath of God. He is the giver of spiritual life. Right, way back in Genesis chapter 2, God breathed into man His Spirit, and man became a, a supernatural, uh, immortal being. There is a soul in us that will live forever because the breath, the pneuma of God, has been inside of us. And He is a He. He is not in it. If He's God, He's a He. And He speaks. The Holy Spirit can be invited. He can be offended. So we see personality. He can move. And so He's not this mysterious, spooky thing. He's God. He is God and He is ever-present. He is, has personality. The Bible talks about this revelation of God, the, the Spirit of God. God. God is so big, He has to reveal Himself to us in multiple ways. I, we can't even comprehend the mysteries of God. And he wants this holy, the, the, the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible talks about that he has, uh, he anoints us like oil to get you to understand this revelation of God. He, uh, he has, he's as gentle as a dove. He flows like living water. He's mysterious as the wind. You can't know where he's coming from or where he's going. He's, but you can see the effects of him. And he refines us like fire. 
All these imagery is for us to understand this part of the revelation of God. And He has many names. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of wisdom and knowledge, the Spirit of truth and promise. And we know Him mostly today as the Comforter, the Teacher, the Advocate, the Intercessor. And He's got many jobs. The Bible says it. The revelation of God, the Holy Spirit, is to convict and expose sin, to draw men to Christ, to indwell in every believer, to give us prophetic power. Every believer, every believer, prophetic power to speak the gospel message. He comforts us in times of need, and He actually prays through us, through a heavenly prayer language. He gives us, He, inter, he searches our hearts, He searches God's heart, and He prays these perfect prayers if we allow Him. He calls and he equips church leaders and he gives supernatural gifts to every member who'd have them and he produces in us the fruitful character of Jesus Christ. He makes you act like Christ. He makes you look like Christ. He makes you sound like Christ. He makes you taste like Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He's all about Jesus. He's all about the church and he's all about getting us ready for Jesus to come back. And so Jesus and the Holy Spirit Whatever your view on the Trinity, I want you to see this unique relationship that God has ordained, these two revelations of Himself, for us to understand. You see, Jesus came down in human form, and He limited Himself by putting on flesh. He left His heavenly position, and and He wants us to teach us something about being in the flesh, but of the Spirit. Okay? He wants uh, this whole point of Jesus coming down. He wants to show us how to walk with God. And Jesus, in His humanity, He reveals this true need, this true dependence on the Spirit of God. You see, He was born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary supernaturally, and it said that it came upon her. There we go. And it overshadowed her. And it's actually the Shekinah glory of God came down and came upon her. And the Holy Spirit, uh, when she became pregnant, so Jesus was born of the Spirit. He was baptized in the Spirit. Luke chapter 3 tells us that Jesus was uh, getting baptized in the muddy Jordan River by John the Baptist. And the, here is the picture of the Son uh, taking this flesh and doing what He's commanded to do to be baptized, symbolically of going down into death, crucifying His flesh, and coming up. And in that moment, the Spirit of God comes upon Him in a tangible way. Amen. A tangible way, and the Lord speaks His confirmation of His Son's Messiahship, of His Son's duty. And this perfection is there for us to understand today. This threefold revelation of the one God is there for us to understand. What does it mean for you and I today to walk with God? What does it mean for you and I today to be baptized into the Spirit of God, to be immersed in God, to be clothed in God? And see, Jesus did not divorce Himself from the Holy Spirit. He relied on it. He was born, He was baptized, He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was empowered by the Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that He was anointed with miraculous power because of the Holy Spirit. And He even uh, led Himself into death by the direction of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that He was raised to new life by the Holy Spirit. There is no separation of the believer with the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did was in and through the Holy Spirit. And He even sent the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 to be His representative in and upon every believer. You see, if Jesus and His humanity need the Holy Spirit so much, how much more do I, do you and I, need the Holy Spirit? If He needed, if God, the Son, the Son of God, needed that 
spirit so much, needed the spirit of God on his flesh so much, how much more do I need it? Whew, think about it. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to do all that God called him to do. How much more do I need to get on my knees and rely on the Spirit of God every day? You see, I want to be born by the Spirit. I want to be baptized by the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that in the last day, I'll be resurrected by the Holy Spirit. That's our life. That's our life. And so, just like He did for Jesus, the Holy Spirit is here to help you and I complete our journey to be mature like Jesus Christ. And I'm going to break these three baptisms apart today. So number one, the three baptisms beginning our journey is to be baptized in Christ. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Paul says this, he says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and for all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. The word baptized means immersed, and the word clothed means to put on. And so he uses the same terminology again that he does for the children of Israel, that they were uh, uh, baptized or immersed and clothed in the cloud and the sea, and they were together. And so he says, really we understand it this way, that baptism, if it means to be immersed into water, it's a water phrase, and that those that are in Christ are immersed and clothed with this water. When you go down into the water, you're basically clothed with the water. You put it on you. It's all around you. You're immersed. It overtakes you. And he says, if you're in Christ, you need to let Christ overtake you. You need to be like uh, totally immersed in Him, totally clothed in Him, to put Him on you. And he speaks spiritually here that when you confess Jesus, you need to be immersed in Him. You are immersed in Him. You are clothed in Him. You're basically baptized into Him. And it's spiritually speaking here, salvation only happens when we respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit. We can't even be saved without God's Spirit. He has to draw us. And I believe He's drawing all men to Him. And when we repent of our sin, the Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that when we profess with our mouth, believe in our heart, He is Lord, Jesus is Lord, we're saved by the blood of Christ. He is that Passover lamb. But what does this really mean? It means, number one, I've got to let my flesh die. Just like going into that water grave, going into that place, I let my flesh die, and I have been baptized into His death in Romans 6, 3. And then there is a birth that happens spiritually in me, that as I begin to get immersed in Christ and I die to the flesh like Jesus did, I'm born again in John 3, verse 6 and 7. Jesus says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. And don't be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. Just like Christ was born of the Holy Spirit, you and I have to be born of the Holy Spirit to be saved. It has to be something not just in my mind, not just a conscious decision that I want to live a good life and a good moral life. It's not just a a way to believe. It's not just a tradition. It's not just a, a good way of talking, a good way of dressing, a good way of not watching bad shows on TV. It has nothing to do with any of that. It is a spiritual encounter with the living God coming inside of you and baptizing you and being immersed in the person and the life of Christ. And you become, in that moment, when you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, and you become, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the temple of God. We together are the temple of God as the church, but individually, we're individual stones in the temple of God. Each one of us having the Holy Spirit in us, but we're never complete unless we're together. 
We together are the Spirit of God. Inside, inside of us, we are the church. But like Jesus, because of this, because He's the Passover Lamb and God's wrath passes over you, and because the blood saves you and you've been washed in the blood, His Holy Spirit comes in you, and because of that decision, and because of that experience, you will be resurrected on the last day. On that last day, when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise, the Spirit of God will bring life to your body. That same Spirit that speaks to you in the morning, that same Spirit that's there when you're reading your Bible, that same Spirit that guides you not to flip somebody off when you're getting cut off in traffic, right? It's, it's that same Spirit that's always hovering over you as you sleep, that same Spirit that is, is crucifying the flesh, that same Spirit that is, is changing your nature, that same Spirit. If you have a relationship with that Spirit, the Spirit of God, He will raise you up Amen. on that last day. So are you baptized into Christ? Are you immersed? Some people want to get immersed in hours of video games and television and relationships and food and gossip and drugs and all kinds of things we could look in this world. We, everybody tries to be fulfilled by being immersed in something, but you know this life cannot give us what we desire. We, have been bur- we were designed, engineered by God, that we were made to have His Spirit living in us. From Genesis chapter, one, chapter 2, He designed us to have the Holy Spirit being resident inside of us. And you'll never be fulfilled unless you come to God in this new covenant that Jeremiah 31 speaks about because God says in Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 that He wants to put His Spirit deep within you. He wants to put His Spirit deep within you. I love that, that he, this imagery, the depths of you, He wants His Spirit to get to. So He gives you a new heart and new passions, new desires, when you decide not to just sit with Him, but to follow Him. It's a journey, just like the children of Israel. It's not just a decision to come out of Egypt. You have to go through the water. You have to make a defining moment. You have to say, God, it's a journey. You're taking me to heaven. I'm on a journey. Amen? So then we are baptized in the water. So there's baptism into Christ, baptism into water. John 3, 5 says, Truly I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You know, Scripture is clear. And what Jesus is speaking here, I believe, is spiritual in this verse, but I'm going to bring it into the physical. Spiritually, we know that salvation is a free gift. They were saved when they were delivered from Egypt. They were passed over by the wrath of God, and they were delivered out of the enemy's territory by the blood of the Lamb alone. But they had to make a decision to cross the water. It wasn't just good enough just to just come out of Egypt. You had to make a decision to cross the water. And God has put in His His command water baptism to be this outward initiation of an inner change. It's an outward demonstration of an inner washing and change from death into new life. And it's not the physical water that does anything. That is outward symbolic. But there has got to be an inner washing of the Holy Spirit over my life. I've got to let the Holy Spirit wash and regenerate me, make me born again. But Jesus commanded water baptism. He said in Matthew 28, Go and make disciples of everyone in every country, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Mark 16, 16 adds, he says, But he who has believed and been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. You see, like Israel, although it was the blood of the Lamb that delivered them from God's wrath, they've got to be committed in their faith. 
You see, back in the day, to be water baptized meant total commitment. It meant to be all in. It meant to divorce my former life and to go on. And there was a defining moment that once people knew I was water baptized, there was no going back. So many people today get water baptized. They need to be baptized like every other week because they feel like they're in and out of Christ. But see, it's not about the water. There's got to be a moment because before we can get to following the Holy Spirit and being baptized into the Holy Spirit and letting Him lead and guide us, we have all, the whole church, individually and corporately, we've got to make a decision. Am I all in? Am I committed? And is there anything in my life that pulls me to go back? Because more than just getting water baptized, every believer has to make a decision to be all in and to move forward. There's a line we have to cross. There's a point of no return. You see, and prophetically, water baptism speaks to the grave. They will all, Lord willing, unless the rapture comes, will all go into that grave and be baptized into physical death. But see, only God can make a way through and part your waters and bring you out on the other side. Only God can raise you into new life. And you have to, I, you and I have to come to these waters of decision. Can you imagine coming to that place and thinking, you want to walk through this? There's like this water. There's a whale floating right here. I mean, it could just crash on us at any moment. But there's the enemy behind us. I know what Egypt's like. But you, you can't do it alone. But it's got to be a defining line. We all have to come to a defining line in my life, in your life, in our lives, to say, God... I'm not going back. I'm going to pass through the waters of decision and follow you. And then God shuts the door behind us. There's no going back to my former life, my former attitude, my former personality, my former likes or dislikes. Paul says in Romans 6 that we have to make a decision to no longer let sin control the way we live, but go all in with God. You want to know why most people don't get to the next place on the journey with Jesus Christ, they don't get all into the next part, the next point I'm about to make, is because there's got to be a line that we cross in our life that says, I'm not going back. I died back there, and I've gone through the waters of decision, and God shut the door. I've been baptized into death with Christ. That's what it means. That's what it means. So many people just casually get baptized in water and want to be filled with this Holy Spirit, but they've never made the point in my life to say, this is an altar with me and God. I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. This is a point where I have died. Jesus, it's only with you now. And I'm in the wilderness with you, just alone with you. That's just it. There's no former life. There's no turning around. Because when you get to that place, you can determine to be baptized into the Holy Spirit. And that's the third point, the baptism of the Spirit. In Exodus chapter 19, when Israel decided to follow God, they were baptized into the sea, but then God drew them to the mountain of God, which is, we know is Mount Sinai. And on that mountain, in Exodus chapter 19, He called them to be something. He called them, and He said, You are going to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation to the world. You're going to be my light, a city on a hill not hidden. You're going to be the people that leads the whole world to my presence, to come to me. And He gave them, in a sense, the great commission. And the Bible says that in that moment, God spoke, and the Spirit of God came upon them. There we go. And the Spirit of God came down and the cloud of God descended from the mountain and there was thunder and lightning and this big show of God's presence and God spoke over them. They saw the tangible presence of the Spirit of God when they were given the Great Commission. And in the same way, 
Jesus, in that moment of baptism, accepts His call at 30 years old to be the Messiah, the Christ for the world. And He was baptized in water, but then He was also baptized when the Holy Spirit came upon Him. Amen. He was clothed with power to do all that God had called Him to do. His flesh, He gave His flesh over to the call of God. He said, I'm going. And then the Holy Spirit led Him. And then in the same way, Luke parallels this whole thing in Acts chapter 2. The disciples were given the great commission which we just read. And they saw the resurrected Jesus and they believed in Him and they saw the nailed scarred hands. They knew that He was alive and He began to teach them for 40 days. And they came to this place and He on that place, that rock, Jesus Christ, He gave them the great commission. He says, you're going to go out into the world and I'm going to uh, come upon you and I'm going to uh, give you the Holy Spirit and you should wait Now you're saved, you believe in the Lamb, and you've received the Great Commission, but you need this power. You need the ability to do it. And I'm going to transfer my messianic anointing, the same Holy Spirit that was over Moses and Elijah, the same prophetic gifts and anointing, the same power that I've had with all these great men of old, the same power that was on me to do everything that I was doing, to be born and led and ministered and empowered and raised to new life. That same Spirit is going to be not only in you, but it's going to be upon you. Because see, in Luke, he says, uh, in John, he says, the, the Holy Spirit is with you, but He's going to be in you. But then in Luke, he says, just wait until now it comes upon you. Amen. You see, literally, the Holy Spirit would be put on them. This anointing, this power. See, Jesus is the baptizer. Look with me in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He gathered them together and commanded them not to leave. And he said, wait till what the Father has promised. And you heard this from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days. Now, you will be immersed with the Holy Spirit. I like that word. We use baptize a lot. He says, you're going to be immersed with the Holy Spirit. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that basically means clothed you. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit and you're going to receive power when He's put on you or, or come clothed you. And so you'll be my witnesses now. You'll be that kingdom of priests, that holy nation, that city on a hill not hidden. That's who you'll be when the Holy Spirit has taken over you. And we know the story in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were together in one place. There came a heavenly noise, a violent rushing wind, which we know is the Spirit of God. It filled the whole house, and there appeared to them tongues as a fire, came upon each of them, and they rested each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability or gave them the utterance. Do you see this progression? It is not different levels. It's not different levels. It's not a person who's gone this far is better than that one. It's just to say, God, I want to follow you. Let's keep it at that. I just want to follow you. I want everything you have for me. And I want everything you're going to, I'm going to need to do whatever you've called me to do. But see, before they received the baptism of the Spirit, they accepted the Great Commission. That's key. That's key. That's what it's for. We don't need the baptism of the Spirit for a good, feel-good service or a run-around, jump-around, howdy-doody time or a Jericho march. Those are all good things. I grew up that way. Man, those are good things to be in the presence of God, demonstrations of the gifts and the tangible presence of God. But it is for 
us to finish the Great Commission. All the power we need to do all that God has called to do has already been given. Everything we need to do to go into every nation, every country, to see every soul that God wants to see saved, it's already been given. It's done. He said, it's finished. I've given everything. And so, what is this baptism of spirit? Many people growing up not in a tradition like this. It's not salvation. Bible is clear throughout Acts. There was water baptism, and then there was spirit baptism. People were saved, baptized in water, and then spirit baptized. Sometimes the other way around. And it can't be earned. It's a gift. It's freely received and available to every believer. It's an anointing. It is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's just the symbolically of pouring this oil, just like He anointed the priests and the prophets. They poured the oil over their head. They accepted the call, the office that God had called them to, and they poured the oil over their head. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. It anoints us for a purpose, to be God's representatives. It's power to complete His great commission. And it comes with tongues and prophecy and other supernatural gifts that build up the church and witness and and speak to God's tangible presence in you. And it's not possession. It's not the Holy Spirit coming over and controlling you like you see on some television shows. The Bible says He enables you to speak. He gives you the ability to speak. He gives you the power to use when you submit to use it. He doesn't just take you over and make you become some awesome Billy Graham kind of person, but He lets you and allows you. And whenever you rely on Him, He's there to equip you and fill you. And there's no formula to receive it. It's just a person who says, God, I repent of my sin. I release my life to you. And then you begin to receive all that God has for you through prayer and worship. You know, a pastor may have baptized you in water, but only Jesus can baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit baptizer. And I'm unworthy to pray for any single person to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't have the gift. I don't have some supernatural touch. It's just you and Jesus being alone in the wilderness and saying, God, I need you. I need you. And for those of us today who have completed that beginning of our journey, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if we go back to there in verse 3 and 4, He says that after they got through the Passover lamb and the baptism of water and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they still hadn't matured. They still had areas they had to work on. and They still needed to continue to eat of what God provided and drink of what God provided. They had the manna, supernatural, what what we know today is the Word of God. Manna represents the Word of that spiritual food God provided. They still had to eat of the Word of God, and they still had to drink of the life-giving flow, the rock of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God. And the same is true for us today, church. I don't care if we had an experience as a child, or if we had a church camp or a youth camp experience. I don't care if we got baptized in the Holy Spirit yesterday. We have to rely daily on the provision of God as our source. Otherwise, we make all that thing, all that we've done, ill effect. All that stuff, it doesn't mean anything if we go back to Egypt. It doesn't mean anything if we just jump out of the plan of God and say, God, I'm I'm doing this on my own. We have to say, God, I need your Holy Spirit every day to be led and empowered. God, I need your word to eat of it and and let it be my life, uh, the the life within me. God, I need the, the Holy Spirit to just baptize me over and over. And the Bible is clear that in Acts, every time they stepped out in boldness, they say, God, we'll do our part, but Father, you do your part. We'll preach the word. 
word, but God, you give us the ability and confirm it with signs and wonders. And every time they committed to keep going forward as the Spirit moved them, He continued to fill them and fill them and fill them and fill them. It doesn't stop. It's continual reliance on the Spirit and the Word of God. Worship team, if you come, continue the journey. Have you continued to eat of the Word of God and the Spirit daily for provision? We're going to go into another time of worship here. We've ordered our service in this way, so we would have a time for you and I to respond in worship. Maybe you're dry today. Maybe you're just, it's just another holiday. Maybe it's just uh, another weekend for you. But let's make today a time where we just get alone with God and say, Father, we need you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just begin to lift our voices to God. Let's just begin to seek after Him today. Hallelujah. Jesus, come in this place today, God. This is Pentecost Sunday. Father, this is the birthday of the church. This is the time to remember, to be thankful, to be joyful. God, to be celebrating what You have done and what You are continuing to do. Father, this is a time to remember the harvest. This is a time to get all in and to get to the depths. To go to the depths, God. Not to just go through the motions or go through another Sunday or try to get home in time for television or the activities we have. But right now, in this place, God, it's all about You. You are my source, God. You are my life. You are my strength, God. Lord, it's that because of You, God, that I'll be resurrected on the last day. Father, how can I divorce myself from Your Spirit? I'll need You on that last day. Church, how many are you going to need Him on that last day? He's got to be your source every day. Your supply. 